Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Defense! Defense! All the hard work, let's go! College football today. We are two and a half hours away from the start of the New Mexico Bowl. Not that far away. Tulane and UL Lafayette as well in Orlando kick it off first. But we'll turn our attention to the New Mexico Bowl. We spoke about it briefly with Jamie. Uh, North Texas and Seth Luttrell, they have a solid quarterback in Mason Fine going up against the 21st-ranked Utah State Aggies, minus their head coach Matt Wells that has become the new head coach in Lubbock, taking over for Cliff Kingsbury in Texas Tech. Solid quarterback play here. You have Mason Feinrich that has thrown for 28 touchdown passes, completed 64% of his passes, over 3,700 passing yards. And then on the flip side, Jordan Love that has completed 65% of his passes, 27 touchdowns, and more importantly, has one of the best offensive lines in the country, only yielding nine total sacks heading into this ballgame. I think it'll be a shootout, but I'm still taking the points with North Texas in this matchup. I I think it makes sense, and this is a really vastly underrated quarterback matchup. Jordan Love, for fans of the NFL, you're going to see him on Sundays in the next couple of years. Just a sophomore, he's got a couple of years of eligibility left. Whether he uses them remains to be seen. Mason Fine, kind of built like Mackenzie Milton. He's under six feet tall. Probably not going to see him in the NFL, but he's the kind of kid, he's he's the quintessential high-powered, prolific college quarterback running Latrell's offense, Rico Bussey, all-conference USA wide receiver. I like that you brought up the offensive line of Utah State. Those nine sacks is exactly where I was going to go. This is a very talented football team, offensively, defensively. They have their linebacker, David Woodward, Mountain West uh, Defensive Player of the Year. So they can get it done on both sides of the ball. But I like the continuity of that coaching staff of North Texas. Yeah. I mean, Latrell is back. We talked about it with Jamie Heath uh, in the second uh, second uh, segment. You know, Latrell had an opportunity to go elsewhere, and he's staying in Denton. I think those kids repay him today, not only with a cover, with the, but with the possibility of actually winning this uh, this bowl game. Yeah, we'll see. And Gabe, if you like the over today, you gotta you gotta have teams that force turnovers in entering this battle. Utah State plus 11 in turnover margin, North Texas at plus 8, so that'll factor into this ballgame as well. Whichever team wins the turnover battle should be able to win this ballgame. The heads of these kids, who cares, who doesn't, what staff is interested, who isn't. We know the Mean Green are coming to play today. And when I when I cap these games, and you were talking about it earlier, Joe, what I like about the, the excitement of the bowl games and it's a little stale to me in the sense that I liked it before when there wasn't the conference affiliations. Yeah, we know. Like, January 1st is boring. Oh, God. Like, Michigan's playing Florida again. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, this air on. Number two SEC versus number two Big Ten. Number three this, number four this versus that. But I'm always fascinated by watching the different conferences play against each other. And then I say, okay. What, what about the athletes? Do these kids match up with these guys? Do they, you know, how do they match up? How many blue chips? What do we have here? And listen, Utah State were a great football team this year, but I think they were a great team because they were a great coach team. Like, if we look at athletes and we want to get into a combine situation here, I think, would you guys agree, North Texas's kids match up very well, if not better. I mean, are the kids on Utah State faster than North Texas's kids? No. Are they stronger? I don't know. Maybe in the trenches, they're a little tougher, a little bigger. But overall, I'm getting seven and a half points with to me. And look, I put my money where my mouth is. I might put a little more on it. But here we got a ticket right here from the FanDuel Sportsbook. $125 already put. I bet this earlier in the week uh, on, uh, on North Texas. So we'll play a little more online uh, right now. But I always cap these games because – 
you know, it, it, you know, we know about the bigger conferences. We've seen these kids. We can sort of cap those games easier. These are interesting. It's like guys from different neighborhoods playing each other. And I always cap these games. How do they match up athletically? And I think North Texas match up damn damn well with these guys. Yeah. Well, and and it, and what really goes forgotten about North Texas is we focus a lot on the offense because the you know the the name guys are Mason Fine and Seth Luttrell. But North Texas defensively has dramatically yes. improved in 2018. It's a much better defense. Very talented at the linebacker, EJ Ajaya sure. and Brandon Garner. So defensively, let's not overlook North Texas. And in their three losses, guys, this year, only by a combined 13 points. So 9-3 and three team, three losses by 13 points. We've got a neutral field. We've got a motivated team getting points. I think North Texas is a good bet today. Yeah, and to your point, you talk about the front seven. They're only giving up 113 rushing yards per game. And when you look at this matchup as well, I think it's a contrast in styles. We see Utah State, both of their losses to Michigan State, week number one by seven points in East Lansing and to Boise State in the middle part of the season. They're more of a blue-collar team. They're physical of the offensive-defensive lines, and you have more, I want to say, of a speed type of offense and defense in North Texas. They can run sideline to sideline, but between the trenches is where I have some concerns. But Mm -hmm. that being said, third down defense for North Texas, 38%, and that's going to matter in this matchup, whichever team could dictate the tempo from a defensive perspective. And let's not keep this uh, in in the background. North Texas got blown out against Troy last year in in the New Orleans Bowl. They understand that. They're going to come motivated, and more importantly, especially in the beginning part of this ballgame, look to start fast. And I would think that that favors North Texas. And secondly, always favors the over because you have both secondaries giving up around 240 passing yards per game. Another excellent point about the secondary of Utah State because 240 is the aggregate number for the season. But if you break that down... They were worse yeah. at the end of the year. This this was a secondary that struggled late in the season when you would think maybe with weather changing in Mountain right. West territory that passing numbers would go down. They went up yeah. against yeah. Utah State. So now, again, Mason Fine. Get to know Mason Fine. This is what I uh, – I'll knock the Bulls where they deserve it. I'm not going to pull punches. But what I love about the Bulls is days like today because – Average fans, college fans, even people who say I'm a huge college fan, they've never seen Mason yes. Fine. Now you get to watch a Mason Fine in action. I think that's 27 fun. touchdowns, five interceptions only. You're right. I think that's entertaining, yeah. Gabe. I think to be able to watch yeah. a young player like that uh, this afternoon, I think is really How fantastic. Do you feel, though, How do you feel though, Rich? Is it the NFL going head to head with the bowl games? I know they can't bend over and say, okay, we're not. We're not, you know what I mean? We're not going to just let college football. We, we have to go about our business. I get it. But I don't know, man. It almost seems like the big bully type thing, the NFL. Yeah, yeah, screw your bowl game. We're putting Houston Texans on. You, know? you mean on a Saturday as far as a matchup goes? Yeah, no, I'm just talking about, you know, listen, there's usually Saturday NFL at this time of the year. But I just think it's a shame because we're all, listen, I'll cut to the chase. We're all really excited about these bowl games. But more, you know, once the NFL game starts, people are going to watch the Shaw Watson and the Houston Texans. Yeah, yeah. So I think some of these kids and what what's the game going to be going head to head there? I mean, we're going to have the end of the the Lafayette game. We're going to have the Utah State North Texas game. A lot of people aren't going to see the heroics or the the excitement of the Mason fine just because the NFL is that big, man. People will tune into the mm-hmm. Texans Jets game at four thirty. They can add another leg to their parlay, though, Gabe, if they pick one of our best bets for the today. And well, one not of the- everyone's a degenerate like me, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we we want to grow the degenerate fan exactly. base, though. I we're mean, try, we're trying they, to grow it for yeah, everyone, yeah. you know, especially in the tri-state area. I mean, that we do all love. <laughs> Well, I, the next game at at, at one thirty, the the first kick of the day is Tulane and UL Lafayette. I really like this Tulane team, coached by Willie Fritz, six and six overall. You have UL Lafayette sitting there at nine and four overall. But I, I, a contrast in styles. You have a Green Wave team that's averaging two hundred eight rushing yards per game, passing for one eighty six through the air, and does have solid quarterback play in Jonathan Banks and Justin McMillan. Both of those guys are mobile quarterbacks, only completing around fifty percent of their pass. But this is still a Tulane defense, statistically, Rich. They're giving up 156 on the ground, 265 through the air. But they're coached by former Tennessee volunteer J.J. McCleskey, number one, and set a, a, a NCAA record at the early part of the year, 19 pass breakups. 
33% third down defense and 33 total sacks. They're going up against the UL Lafayette defense, giving up 210 rushing yards per game. My best bet of the day. I think Tulane rolls in this matchup 14 points or more. Yeah, I like Tulane as well. And and what really interests me about this game is there's a history between these schools. You know, when we get to the postseason, if you have an opportunity to set up a matchup that has kind of a subplot, that's even more fun. And and again, I don't expect casual fans to know the fact that Tulane and, and UL Lafayette have played 26 yeah. times, but they have played 26 times. These programs have known each other in the past. In-state, I'll call them rivals. I don't know if they're actually rivals, but this is going to matter to both of these teams and both of these staffs. Willie Fritz has done a nice job at Tulane. Billy Napier, young coach for the Raging Cajuns, also has done a good job. I think he could be promoted. Watch the backs in this game. Both teams will try to establish the run to Joe's point. Lafayette has struggled to stop the run. They especially struggle against mobile quarterbacks, which is exactly what Tulane has, Gabe, in LSU transfer Justin McMillan. You know what, guys? I I, I love what you guys are talking about, and you're both very smart men. I'm going to try it. I'm going to talk from a gambling perspective here, and I'm just going to look right now. The history, how many times these – look at UAB last year. UAB comes back. Oh, my God, what a great story. They go to a bowl game. They got massacred yeah, in the bowl game. Yep. I'm falling. I think people are buying into this Willie Fritz hype too much. Tulane were one of the trendiest teams coming into the year. When uh, Joe was uh, cruising Las Vegas, Rich, you should have been there before <laughs> the year started. Glad I missed it. Uh, yeah, we were talking about, like, you know, college football totals. And last year I was legendary because I said FAU goes over to four and a half and they won 11 games. For the record, this year I told people take Pitt over five and a half. Boom. Uh, went over. But I also, everyone was on Tulane. You know, Tulane this, this year, Tulane that. You know, the hipsters, guys like you, you and Joe, you knew about Tulane coming into the year. They were supposed to make a bowl game this year. You know, but from the outside, it's like Willie Fritz, what a great story. Tulane, it's a great story. You mentioned Bill Napier. To me, I think Tulane just sort of happy to be here. I think Willie Fritz gets a bowl win two, three years from now, but not today. I think the kids from Lafayette show up and win this game outright. Well, it should be an intriguing battle. Here's uh, We spoke to Jamie. He likes the under in this matchup. Here's why I like the over, though, Gabe. They're giving up 210 uh, rushing yards per game. They're giving up around 230 passing yards to opposing offenses in UL Lafayette's defense. But they're allowing teams to convert 45% of the time on third downs and are negative three in turnover margin heading into this ballgame. And when I look at their quarterback, Nunez, 19 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. This game is going to be played on turf, so I don't think the weather will be that much of a factor. But if it does rain, that fa- that favors Tulane. I think they run it well, and that's why I like the over here. Not only do I like Tulane, I think they can put up a lot of points. And when you look at their body of work, they beat teams like Memphis. They beat teams like Navy and South Florida. Those are quality teams within the conferences. So I know that when you look at UL Lafayette, they played Mississippi State played Alabama, but statistically it really favors Tulane in this ballgame. You know, it's funny, Joe, we're going to, we're, we're on, I've, I've agreed with almost everything you said on today's show. No, Uh-oh. no argument, but we're, we're looking at this completely different. It's like an episode of the Twilight Zone. You know, what happened when the, when you were on the plane and it disappeared? Wow, you know, the way the stewardess was wearing red and then the other guy, the stewardess was wearing blue. I vividly remember because I'm looking at this game and I'm thinking Tulane won't be able to keep up with these guys. You talk about the scoring. Lafayette, and listen, these, so it's not a home game, and it's, it's too bad this game is Louisiana, right? Um, feels like it should be a New Orleans Bowl game. Where, where is the Cure Bowl, by the way? I don't even, I'm not even sure where, what the setting it's is. In it's Carolina. in Carolina. It's in uh, the Cure Bowl Orlando. Is in States in the world. Orlando. Orlando. It's in Orlando. Yeah, yeah. There's an ESPN, Disney, you know what I mean? That yeah, yeah. stadium's <laughs> It's like it's basically the backyard of the headquarters for them. So it's Orlando. But for me, I'm looking at Lafayette. We're talking about a football team. And, guys, I was going to say, these bowl games, so they're not home. Sometimes a team will be at home, rarely. But, you know, generally, they're neutral games. So I look at a neutral game. I sort of look at it like a road game. How are you doing? Because a lot of these kids are sort of built in. Teams are better at home. We see this in football all the time. How do you play on the road? That's why I look at the team, right? You're going on the road, neutral field, whatever. It's a road game. 
It's neutral. It's a road game. You're staying in a hotel. You're on the road. It's a road game. And I'm looking at Lafayette. These guys dropped 45 points a game uh, on the road. 31. They're giving up 31. I, I agree. I think there's going to be points in there. I think the total might be a little low. I'm glad you brought it up, actually, uh, Joe. <laughs> I wasn't really looking at this. But I'll tell you what. It's totally correlated here. You like Lafayette, the game goes over. You like Tulane, it goes under. Tulane's three and nine, uh, you know, to, to the under. Nine, nine, nine unders, three overs only. Conversely, you look at uh, you look at Lafayette. Seven games have gone over the number. Six have gone under. You know, Lafayette are comfortable playing a high-scoring game right here, guys. I think Lafayette outscore them. And I think Tulane get a little overwhelmed in their first bowl appearance. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he brought up UAB last year, and they were overwhelmed by Ohio in that matchup. So I think I've been monitoring Tulane's social media all week. And you're right. They're hopped up. They're wearing the all-white uniforms for this ball game. Yeah, you're hardcore, Joe. I like your style. You've been watching Twitter and monitoring these guys. I love yeah, it. Well, I think it's important to gauge whether teams are into it. And yeah. I, I think that that's when you break down some of these smaller-tier balls. I want to see which team is motivated heading into this ballgame. And Tulane, from what I've read and everything that they're putting out, I mean, from the cheerleading squad, they are, they're amped up to be here today. And I think when you look at Willie Fritz as well, the way he's culminated this offense in terms of ground and pound, they kept an offense in Memphis, a high-scoring offense with Daryl Henderson. They kept them at bay. And now, granted, it was at home, but I think that's the same type of Joe, game plan later today. We're not talking to I'm surprised, Joe. You're not in trouble. What about Louis? What about Lafayette? These guys put up 219 yards a game on the ground. Oh, yeah. No, they two good have, backs, they, too. They run the football. They run the football. Both teams have a good yeah. one-two punch out of the backfield. One name I want to throw, before we go to a break, I want to throw out the name Patrick Johnson. That That is going to be Lafayette's biggest concern, Tulane's defensive end. We talk a lot about the backs, a lot about the mobile quarterbacks. But Patrick Johnson, 10 sacks, he's somebody to watch out for today. Yeah, 33 total sacks for Tulane heading into this matchup. So we'll see how that game plays out. It is a 130 kick. When we come back, we'll be talking about the Las Vegas Bowl. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci live on College Football Tonight. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Very intriguing battle taking place in Las Vegas. Pac-12 Mountain West matchup. Arizona State, 7-5 overall, going up against Fresno State at 11-2. Herm Edwards and the crew have done a fantastic job playing every game tough. They knocked off Michigan State earlier in the year. Also knocked off USC on the road in the Coliseum after they fell behind early in the fourth quarter, came from behind. Manny Wilkins will play in this ballgame. No Nikhil Harry, and that could be a concern for Arizona State, but when you look at Manny Wilkins overall, Rich, 19 touchdown passes, only six interceptions. Eno Benjamin in that offense, he's utilized in the short intermediate passing game. They're going up, though, against a rock-solid secondary in Fresno State, giving up 196 passing yards per game, but I still like the speed of Arizona State. I think they pick up the, the, uh, the victory tonight. It's a compelling matchup because you, you I, I like games between Pac-12 yeah. and Mountain West because... You know, the Mountain West team always feels like little brother. We have something to prove. You know, Fresno, like any team in the Mountain West, would love to be an additional member of the Pac-12. 
Arizona State. I think they'll be fully motivated. I think Herm will have these kids ready. All Arizona State does is play competitive football games. I see no reason why this won't be any different. The line, as it gets higher, scares me. I do like Fresno State to win. When we initially did our picks, it was four and a half. So I'm like, all right, I think Fresno's going to win. Can I take ASU, get in the four and a half to cover, and Fresno win? As it gets higher, I get nervous. But listen, I, I like the Fresno State defense. Jeff Allison in the middle at linebacker. Juju Hughes, you mentioned right. the, the secondary is outstanding. Uh, Nikhil Harry's a big loss. I mean, there's no way around it. And then we talked about it in the break. Yeah. Merlin Robertson, Out. their true freshman linebacker, as the season went on, arguably became their best defensive player. So... Uh, interesting matchup. One more thing to keep in mind, too. ASU last seven games against Mountain West opponents, one and six against the Yeah, spread. that's intriguing. Gabe, when you look at this matchup, I expect Darby and Williams, the wide receivers, to step up to make up for the lack of production from Harry in this ballgame. And I expect Benjamin to be a factor as well in the short to intermediate passing game. I just don't know about the over because every game to me seems like an under for Fresno State uh, throughout the year. You know, Joe, you really look at me like the total king, don't you? Hey, you always ask me about the total. <laughs> uh, it's only fifty-five. It's creeping up, but I mean, it's you better do your you better do your under-over homework before you get in front of Lisey, dude. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, man. Joe knows me well, though. He knows I love to bet those overs, right? He knows. So, <laughs> you know, this game, hey, I, I, I'm not gonna buy, I'm not gonna pull a Barry Horowitz too much here. But you guys remember earlier in the year when I said, you know. Everyone's laughing at Herm Edwards. Remember that D'Antonio game against Michigan State? I, I was like, you know, everyone's laughing at this guy. And I was right there. I, I like Herm, too. He's been on my show over the years. He's always treated me with respect. He's always, you know, he's so fun. He's like, he loves football. Like, he's a contagious guy. And we talked about that when he went into the room. You're like, how do you not hire him? This guy can sell anything, right? <laughs> like, he blew him away. Everyone's like, well, you know, it's, the AD's his agent, right? And, you know, ha, 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 ha. Hey, I was right there when the hire. I was like, really? Herm Edwards? That was kind of weird. Strange hire. And and then I started to think, but I don't know, man. This guy's been on TV. Kids know him. You know, he can sell stuff, right? You know, Herm Edwards, he talks to you. You're like, yeah, let, put me in, coach. Let's go. And he has that sort of enthusiasm about him. And everyone's underestimated ASU all year. And I've written them. And I, you made great points from a football standpoint Fresno State are a very good football team, and they've been great against the spread as well. I just want to confirm their number uh, against the, the number this year, 9-4 and four against the spread. I mean, you know, but they were like 8-0 against the spread at one point. Um, it's caught up to a little bit, uh, Fresno. I'm going contrarian here. You guys love Fresno. You're talking to Fresno this, Fresno that. I know Fresno is going to be fired up. Tedford's going to have these guys ready to play. They're going to want to get a, a, a win. They've already beaten Pac-12 teams this year. I get it. But Arizona State's been underestimated all year long. I got an NFL coach. That's what I brought up to you guys before about you know the, the matchup with Michigan State. D'Antonio this, D'Antonio that. I said, I got an NFL coach that is prepared for NFL offenses and defenses before. You're giving me three weeks with Herm Edwards to prepare for this football game? And you're giving me points. And every Yahoo from Iowa to Missoula, Montana, walking up to the window in Vegas, betting on Fresno today, the number's climbing. Give me Arizona State. Yeah, I'm with you. And to Gabe's point, I think when you talk about the the breakdown between uh, Todd Graham from last year and uh, Herm Edwards, I mean, now, if they lose this ballgame, same exact record as Todd Graham last year, but they've been yep. more, more competitive in games this year, like the game against Michigan Close State. Close losses, Joe. You're right. Close losses. Hey, these guys lost by a touchdown or less every week when right. they lost against good teams. Right. And here's what I look at as why, why I like Arizona State in this ballgame as well. I mean, defensively led by Danny Gonzalez, 29 total sacks. They're only allowing teams to convert around 40% on third down conversions, but they, they're a physical defense. They can run sideline to sideline, and they can contain that rushing attack of Fresno State and Rivers that's only averaging 146 rushing yards per game. They like to work off a of play action with McMary, and now he's having a very solid season. I mean, an underrated quarterback. He's got 25 touchdowns, three interceptions, and Fresno State does always win the turnover battle for the most part, plus 13 yep. heading into this ball game and we love talking about offensive lines this offensive line in fresno state has only allowed 12 sacks up until this point 
and but Gonzalez loves to blitz as a D coordinator. So to me, third downs will be key. But I think it's the speed of Arizona State defensively that is a factor in this ball game. It, it makes for a great matchup. That offensive line of Fresno State, which is underrated, versus the attacking defense of ASU and Danny Gonzalez. That's a that's a really important chess match in this game. I like the fact that Joe brought up turnovers. Plus 13, you mentioned. I'll echo that point for Fresno State. Also, one of the best red zone defenses in the country in 2018 during the regular season. Now for ASU, you lose that red zone you know, uh, option in Nikhil Harry. So someone has to step up. Kyle Williams, more of a slot receiver, but he is a veteran. He's a senior wide receiver. I would expect to see him have a big game. And then don't forget about Eno, Eno Benjamin. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Eno sort of got lost this season. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about Harry because Harry's the kid who could go first or second round in the draft left early, but Benjamin, I think he's got about 1600 yards on the ground. Yes. So that comp and, and Manny Wilkins, you mobile. talked about him. He's mobile. He's mobile, but he's also such a smart yeah. quarterback. He really knows how to manage a game. He's very clean. Despite the fact that Fresno is plus 13, you know, Manny's not going to turn it over, and that's yeah. key for the Sun Devils. Yeah, and Arizona, Arizona State's plus nine, guys. So they, they force yeah. turnovers as well. And Gonzalez coached in this game against Houston. Not that it's a huge factor, for but San he, Diego understand, State. Yeah. he understands the hey. bowl prep for this type of ball game. You're exactly right, and guys. I, I'm getting goosebumps right, right now. I, my hair's standing up. We gave getting, getting we gave, gave goosebumps. I love yeah, it. Yeah, no, I'm thinking about a kid like I'm a big Manny Wilkins fan, man. This kid has battled over his career, guys. Everyone talks about Will Greer this and Justin Herbert that and all these other quarterbacks. Nobody ever talks about Manny Wilkins and the plays that this kid's made over the years. This kid has laid his blood, sweat, and tears out for this ASU program, and I think he goes out a winner today. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, Pac-12 hasn't stepped up in recent years, so we'll see how that game plays. And I, I was going to say that as well. One and eight last year. This is the yeah, first Pac-12 yeah. game of the bowl season. So, you no, know, if you want to get... Dude, I think they, they know that. Yeah. They know that coming they don't it's want to a be big the bowl ninth. season. It's a big bowl season for the Pac-12. It, it really is. They need to step up. We'll turn our attention to the other intriguing battle. It's Eastern Michigan and Georgia Southern. Contrast in styles. Ooh. This is a team, guys, in Eastern Michigan, seven and five overall, but did knock off Purdue in West Lafayette, twenty to nineteen. They went toe to toe with San Diego State after a three-game road trip. Yeah. Lost that matchup by three points. But this is a run-heavy offense in Georgia Southern, led by Wurtz, their quarterback. That's Averaging 261 rushing yards per game and leads FBS plus 22 in turnover margin. But I think Eastern Michigan is the more physical team. I think they win this matchup. They're catching three, three and a half points. I like Eastern Michigan in this ballgame. Yeah, I'm on Georgia Southern. Uh, I, I like teams that run the option this time of year. EMU could be a little bit tired defensively. Love their end combination, Jeremiah Harris, Max Crosby. But the one thing that EMU needs work on is stopping the run. Outstanding pass defense, number five in the country. But that pass defense is not going to help you today against Georgia Southern yeah. because GSU wants to run it. You know, Joe yeah. mentioned Shy Wirtz, uh, Wesley Fields. They're going to pound and pound and pound. Think Georgia Tech when Paul Johnson was there. I think that physicality of the offensive line and the offensive philosophy uh, philosophy of Georgia Southern. I think it's too much for Eastern Michigan. And listen, Gabe, Chris Creighton has done a great job for EMU. I have a ton of respect, right? Beat yeah. Purdue this year. They've had a great season. Three straight but, bowl seasons, three straight bowl appearances. And, and this was a program that was on financial life support. I mean, yeah. it was a couple of years ago, yeah. Eastern Michigan, they thought maybe was going to, you know, be defunct. Yeah. So the, uh, Chris Creighton's done a great job. I just think Georgia Southern has a little too much offensively for the Eagles. Well, I think when you look at this matchup, Gabe, for Eastern Michigan, they did play Army and lost that matchup by 12 points to the Cadets, held the Cadets to around four yards per carry, and they are 9-3 and three against the number heading into this ballgame. And they have solid quarterback play. I mean, Glass is more of an RPO type of guy. They bring him in in special packages, and Wiegert's uh, the former Iowa quarterback has stepped up 18 touchdown passes. I still, uh, again, I like the over here. Now, this may sound crazy. It opened up at 48, down to around 47 and a half, 47. But I think Eastern Michigan can move the football on uh, Georgia Southern's defense, Gabe. You know what? The, the total is a little low, isn't it, Joe? You're exactly right. At 46 right now, this is another one, too. I've already played it, guys. Once again, put my money where my mouth is. 
already played. I don't know what's going on because normally me and Rich are against Joe, but Joe, you and I are agreeing too much today. I know. Buddy. It's, it's contrarian to the regular season here. This is scary. Yeah, yeah, it's season. <laughs> Everything's so different. We're on the same side here. <laughs> I, I, I got to take it. Yeah, there's in bowl games. I mean, you know, it, overs can give me, it's, give me Eastern Michigan. Yeah, it's and, you know, I, the total's too low, but I'm with you, Joe, here. And, you know, and Rich, I, I hear what you're saying here. This is a classic. This is almost like SEC versus Big Ten Junior, right? Like, you know what I mean? I, to me, I look, all right, the speed, you got Georgia Southern going to run the football. You guys raise a great point, Rich. Yeah, Rich, you raise a great point. As far as Eastern Michigan's strength is that secondary, yet. I still have the Mac uh, Defensive Player of the Year in Max Crosby. And, and to me, I'm looking at the physicality, like Joe talked about. I think these kids from Michigan, man, are going to be able to run the football. I'm looking for Erickson to run the football here, pound the ball, smash mouth. I think Eastern Michigan are a better football team than Georgia Southern are. I do. That game against San Diego State, man, I bought in. And I'll tell you what, my cousin played hockey in Eastern Michigan, so I know this program well. And I'm a Michigan fan, right, at Wolverine fan. I've been to the stadium out there. I don't even think they get 15,000 people to stay eligible in the NCAA. They used to have like 30 people in that stadium years ago. I remember I thought my boy Ron English could save this program, and even he couldn't do it. Coming over from Ann Arbor, Creighton's done a hell of a job, man. Hard to recruit here, guys. People don't realize this. Like you said, these guys were arguably the worst program in America. Maybe the worst program in America, Third straight bowl game. They have experience right now. They've been there. They've done that. Give me Crosby. Give me Erickson. Give me the physicality of the kids from the Midwest. Yeah, I mean, to Gabe's point, when I look at that matchup for Eastern Michigan, it came after a three-game road trip. Uh, when they went to West Lafayette and won and played a very physical offensive defensive line in San Diego State. So they showed me something there. Now, yeah. they're plus 10 in turnover margin. And I guess when you break this game down from an offensive perspective, they're a methodical offense, only converting around 32% on third downs. They want to run the football and work well off of play action, but they need to establish the line of scrimmage. Now, if Georgia Southern starts the game eight, nine-minute drive and forces them out of their game plan, that'll be the recipe for Shea uh, Wirtz. That's that, why the total is what it is. Yeah, he's— Because of the run, run, run. Clock keeps ticking, right, just like in these military games. I'm really excited for this game, guys. I'm really excited for today's football. I really am. Yeah. You know, sometimes we do this show and a couple of good games and whatever. I don't care about Wake Forest playing against Syracuse or whatever. Mm. These games, I'm fired up. I really am. It's a big game for both these programs. Georgia Southern is a good football team. We saw what they did when they were up there to Happy Valley. You got two good football teams. I, you know, this, I tell you what, guys, this Sunbelt versus Mac thing really is pretty cool, isn't it? It really is becoming a good little rivalry. Yeah, I think Gabe's fired up because he senses that the players are fired up. I think that's what we're going to see from, you know, this first game at 1.30 right through New Orleans Bowl, which kicks off at 9 o'clock on the Once East Coast. Again, I don't know why they're not kicking off at noon. <laughs> yeah, well, you got the Celebration Bowl the at noon. Celebrations at, at noon. But I think what you're going to see is, like, I'm pumped up for these games, too, because I think these teams care. really care. And I think these players really care. And they care for reasons that transcend NFL. You know, I mean, like, you might have – Two or three, like Gabe had said earlier, you have two or three kids on Middle Tennessee, two or three kids on App State who will play in the NFL or have a shot. But this is more about putting a capper on your season, sending out your seniors with a victory, having that trophy in your trophy case that says, we won the Cure Bowl, we won the Las Vegas Bowl, we won the New Mexico Bowl. That really matters to those kids, and that's why this first Saturday of the bowl season, for me, is always my favorite. And it's funny that Gabe brought it up. Sometimes you get to New Year's Day, and you're kind of like, eh. It could be a bit of a snooze. Not the case on December 15th. And it's the styles as well. I mean, I want to see the triple option Georgia Southern go up against this defensive front in Eastern Michigan. Even though they're giving up a lot of yards, they played toe-to-toe with some of the better teams on their schedule. And uh, they knocked off Purdue. I mean, let's not forget. I mean, that was earlier in the year when Purdue was fresh. Doesn't matter. It's a Big Ten team. That's huge. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, Wurtz is a dynamic player. We said it. Ten touchdown passes, 822 rushing yards, 
13 rushing touchdowns. That'll be the matchup. You have to take away Wurtz and the triple option in, in order to win this matchup. And this is a big deal for Georgia Southern. I mean, people don't realize that this was a program that was not even in the FBS yeah. a couple of years ago. They, you know, they made the transition from FCS to FBS just a couple of years ago. And we're seeing those types of schools actually have success quickly. Yes. You know, teams that go from they were FCS. Our- Look, look at look at Appalachian State. Wasn't that long ago Appalachian State yeah. was FCS, Division One, AA. These schools are making the leap to FBS and actually doing quite well. And quality football. I mean, when you watch these Big ball time. games, I mean, yeah. you get you get quality play, quality quarterback play, and games that go to the fourth quarter. So, I mean, it should be intriguing. I mean, that this battle, I think, it's a five thirty kick. Uh, in Birmingham. So keep an eye out for that. It's the second to last game of the day. It's a 5.30 kick in Birmingham. I like Eastern Michigan. You like uh, Georgia Southern. I like Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern uh, laying the three and a half. With that, you think they win by what seven ten, or you, you think more? Yeah, than that? I, I think that's fair. I, I think seven to ten is a fair yeah. Uh, assessment. Yep. Yeah, it should, should be. Uh, Gabe, you're taking the over, and you're taking Eastern Michigan. Are you taking them on that? You got to take them on the money line, right? Yeah, you know, people in the chat are asking a lot. Guys are actually asking about the FCS stuff, too. Hang on. Hold on to that. We'll catch it up on the back end. When we come back, we'll be talking Middle Tennessee State and App State. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci, live from Studio 34. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. We are back and we are reeling in the years. And I want you guys to reel in the cash. Who wants to be the next fantasy legend? The daily fantasy legend. Try dailyroto.com for free this holiday season. That's right. Free advice from fantasy pros, free NBA DFS projections, free optimizer access, and free everything else you need to absolutely dominate daily fantasy basketball this holiday season. Stuff your stockings with cold, hard cash and get free access to Daily Roto with the promo code DRHOLIDAYS. To access your free trial, that is DailyRoto.com. Promo code DRHOLIDAYS, DR as in Daily Roto. Gabe, can you hear me? Yes, sir. I want you. I wish you were in the studio. You need to be a little Mills Lane between me and Joe. Joe and I are arguing here. I want your take on this. I refuse to unmute Joe on Twitter because he's a serial retweeter, and I will not read his retweets. Is that bad Twitter etiquette? Uh, yeah, you know. But I'm fo- I'm following him at least. I'm not, the, to me. The, the the etiquette is I follow him, but I cannot. Terrible. The, the, just the incessant retweets of nonsense. I don't want to read. I, I mute him. I mute football, him. Is that bad? Nonsense. Why can me? Why you mute me? No one tweets more nonsense than I do. Um, no, I, I I count on Joe's retweets. Like uh, otherwise, I wouldn't know who like who's nominated for the linebacker of the year and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, that Rich puts together, I retweet his stuff, and uh, you know, then then it's okay. Well, you're right. No, you believe that too? He's ripping you for retweeting his own work. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, 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 not my work. Uh, he retweets uh, other stuff, not well, my stuff. I, I, I retweet eight. stuff. All football related, for the most part. I mean, it's pre- it's important, and it's- I like original content. I put out original content, but uh, I save it for the show too. So, I mean, think of it that way. Well, I don't uh, know. Let's turn our attention to the last ball game: Middle Tennessee State and App State. 
I think it's an eight o'clock kick. Nine, I think nine, nine, nine o'clock yep. kick. Uh, and no Scott Satterfield that led Appalachian State to the last three bowl wins over Ohio and Toledo. They got the victory last year in dominating fashion, 34 to nothing. You look at Middle Tennessee State and Stockstill, they stepped up last year with a 35 to 30 win over a very blue collar, gutty Arkansas State team. Solid quarterbacks here. You have Zach Thomas for Appalachian State, and you have Brent Stockstill for Middle Tennessee State that has thrown for over 20 touchdowns, completed 70% of his passes, Rich. I think they're the more complete team, Tylee, at the uh, wide receiver position. They have the coaching staff in place, yep. and they won last year. I think they go out in style. Seven to ten point win over App State. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I, I, I like this middle Tennessee team. In fact, I think they underachieved a bit this year with the veteran quarterback. Brent Stockzill uh, has had some problems with injuries. Not the case this year. Yeah. He was durable. He was available all year long, but they, they never established a running game. This is a veteran football team. Lots of seniors on both sides of the ball. Seniors on the offensive line. Kids like Darius Harris on defense. Seniors who are going to play in the NFL. DQ Thomas. uh, A young safety sophomore, Reed Blankenship. They are very talented on defense. And while I like the App State team to be giving points without their head coach, I like Middle Tennessee to to win this game outright. You want to give me seven points, I'm going to take it. No Jalen Moore hurt this team later in the year. Now, they went toe-to-toe, App State did with uh, Penn State. Pushed Penn State and uh, Trace McSorley to the limit. They lost that matchup by seven points. Now, Middle Tennessee State uh, has only won two bowl games under Stockstill when he's been head coach, but one of them came last year, and, and they were big underdogs in that ball game to Arkansas State. So they stepped up. Again, I look at this offense as well, and defensively, too, holding opposing offenses to around 39% on third-down conversions. They went toe-to-toe with UAB in the conference championship game. So from a physicality aspect, I think they match up with App State. Now, App State only given up 140 Mm. rushing yards per game. Excuse me, 140 passing yards per game, 121 on the ground. And I still think, though, they push tempo. I like the over, and I think Middle Tennessee State scores first and forces Zach Thomas to match them score for score in this ballgame. Yeah, and you know, you would think that losing Jalen Moore early in the year would be a deal breaker for this team. It didn't happen. I mean, and that really is a credit to Scott Satterfield. That's what Louisville is getting. You know, that ability to coach players up, those two-star, at best, three-star type kids. And that's what Satterfield did. It's interesting that he left the program. This was a, a guy who played for the school, spent his entire career in North Carolina. So now he takes his game to Louisville. It'll be interesting to see how quickly he could turn around the Louisville Cardinals. But App State is a complete football team. They run the ball with Darrington Evans. They have that outstanding defense that Joe touched upon. Terrific against the pass. So I want to see Brent Stockstill and Ty Lee versus one of the best secondaries in the country led by Clifton Duck. I like the over here again, too. I just think all the games are going to, they're going to push Bowl tempo. games typically do yeah, go, go I, high. I can't take yeah. it under, um, uh, for the most part. Maybe national championship, like that semifinal game right. where, you the know, it's a lot game. on the line. But I like the over here. You know, the early bowl games, guys, and once again, we can't you can't just blanket coverage or blindly say something and, um, and typecast every game. But generally, guys, these earlier bowl games are the higher scoring ones. They haven't been as off for a long, right? And the stakes aren't as high in the sense that, you know, in some of these other bowl games, you know, it's 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 big time. You know, coaches are on a hot seat. They need to win. Like a guy like Harbaugh needs to win this bowl game. Otherwise, that Ohio State loss gets talked about more, right? You win the bowl game. It's a little different now. So they're not sort of, you know, I think today these coaches are sort of, let's have some fun out here, guys. Let's empty the playbook. Let's do that flea flicker that we didn't do. And and you sort of see teams open up the playbook in these in these sort of earlier bowl games, Joe. So I think I mean, you can look at the overs today and as you go on. And that's the one thing I don't like, too. There's too much of a layoff, right? And the teams just aren't the same sometimes. It's almost like a new season starts again. I mean, this year it's a little different. They've done a little bit better. Uh, I believe it was 26 days in between games. So from like Clemson, Notre Dame's of the world, et cetera. 26 to 29 days off. That's a long time, guys. Life changes in a month sometimes for teams. It's a good point. That's one we haven't brought up. I I forgot to bring that up, and I'm glad Gabe did. You know, we talked a lot about uh, coaching changes. We talked a lot about kids leaving. 
Uh, we haven't talked about the layoff. You know, the, these guys are used to that that steady drumbeat of every week. They they really get one bye. You know, so it's every week during the season. Now you have this long break. We don't know how kids are going to react to that. And then the other thing to keep in mind, too, I should have brought this up to Jamie Heath. You know, there are certain kids that were banged up late in the yeah. year, and now all of a sudden, or kids that weren't even playing at the end of the year, now all of a sudden it's like, damn, I forgot about that kid. Now he's playing, and he's at 100%. And to your point in terms of why I like the totals and the overs is because you get younger players that, that coaches want to get involved in the offense or Big defense. Time. Uh, for next year. Yep. So these players come in hungry, wanting to fight for position battles. If you are a redshirt freshman or a true freshman and you're playing in a bowl game, you want the opportunity to showcase for the coach. So that's a matchup as well. I think when you break it down in terms of layoff, quarterback to wide receiver relationship, offensive line continuity t- factors in. But to your point as well, if a team is banged up at the end of the year and now you have three weeks in terms of resting sure. those bodies, that could be a benefit into stepping up, especially if you are an underdog like Arizona State today, you get healthy and you have yeah. the opportunity to game plan with new talent. If you know Harry's not there, Herman, the staff, has already had the opportunity to game plan for an extra three weeks. Yeah, 15 practices. I mean, and I'm not saying there's a talent on that roster that's equivalent to Nikhil Harry, but you've had 15 practices in almost an entire month. It's not like this was a knee-jerk decision right. or something sudden that they didn't expect or a kid turned an ankle while they were out in Vegas and now, oh, now we have to you know game plan for that they've known about this so now there's an opportunity to really develop some of the young talent maybe a kid who caught a dozen passes you know played well on the practice squad now it's like hey listen let's turn this kid loose he could be one of our key targets yeah, uh, next I, year I think that player could be Darby today he does have only 21 receptions used to play in the slot but he's he's got the speed yeah. to take the top off and, of and Joe State that State. that's what's so much fun for me because yeah. you know I guarantee you it'll start today there's going to be some Somebody who you didn't expect to have a big... You're going to get a bowl MVP today that you were like, wow, I haven't really seen that kid too much this year. But this is when stars are born. Stars begin to be born in December. Yeah, so the last game today is App State in Middle Tennessee State. We're all on Middle Tennessee State, right, Gabe? Yeah, I like uh, I like Middle Tennessee State here. You know, yeah, so- you, you guys talk about it. I, I guess there were somewhat little bit of underachievers, you could say, but... To me, I look at these kids, and they went seven and one in conference play. If not for twelve men on the field, they're probably win the uh, win, win the conference. Um, I like the experience. You talked about it. You, you got an experienced quarterback. You got seniors, wide receivers. You got juniors, a wide receiver. You got kids that have been here before. I, uh, I think Middle Tennessee State match up real well. I got listen. App State's defense is awesome. How the hell are you going to argue with a team that's giving like fifteen points a game or whatever? But at the same point in time, I think this App State defense gets talked about like they're Mean Joe Green in the Steel Curtain or, or something. I, I like the experience of Middle Tennessee State here. And once again, too, I bet against – I really i am doing this. I'm not kidding. I'm betting against every interim coach this year. Yeah, well – You're an interim coach I'm betting against you. Yeah. Simple as that. Give me the points with Middle Tennessee State here. Yeah, last year I said it. The only coach to win their, their bowl game as an interim basis was Odell Hagens and Florida State over Southern Miss. So and they were heavy much. favorites, too. Yeah. I, if I recall, they were double-digit favorites 16, against – Yeah, they yeah. were, they were so big-time favorites. It wasn't like – you know, it wasn't like – They were it was, expected to win. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. we'll see. I mean, Southern Miss didn't step up. The hardest game in terms of breaking down, not just from a football perspective, but from the gambling angle, is this Tuesday matchup in the Boca Raton Bowl, Northern Illinois uh, with Sutton Smith and Childers at the quarterback position and UAB. Uh, You look at Bill Clark and that team last year got blown out by Ohio in the Bahamas Bowl, didn't step up, now have an opportunity for redemption. But both teams combined, Rich, 93 Sacks. Total sacks. Yeah. 50 for Northern Illinois, yeah. 43 for UAB. It's a mirror images of both teams. Yes. And for that matter, I lean to UAB. I don't feel strongly about it, but I like the Blazers in this ballgame. I think that's a very good encapsulation. I mean, you have two teams that play outstanding defense, strong at the line of scrimmage. Again, I'll encourage anybody who hasn't watched Northern Illinois, watch Sutton Smith. I mean, the kid is an absolute blur. Got to DeKalb as a, as a running back. Now is playing kind of a you know hybrid outside linebacker defensive end. 
so quick off the snap. I mean, he is a force. And despite the fact that he's a junior and he's undersized, I think this kid's going to try the NFL at this point. I don't know where he gets drafted, but if you have somebody who can get into the backfield that quickly, that consistently, put up monster numbers, he'll pick off passes, he'll drop back in coverage. So Northern Illinois, Sutton Smith, I want to see him one more time, maybe last time as a, as a college player, depending on his decision for 2019. I like UAB. We talked in the last, you know, we were talking about App State. We were talking about injured players. I want to see UAB with a backfield that is finally healthy. Their quarterback, A.J. Erdely, uh, not healthy in November. Now he's had some time off. And Spencer Brown was dealing with yeah. uh, an ankle injury. This is a game between defenses. First of all, I love a Tuesday night football game. I mean, that, that in itself, Tuesday at 7 o'clock. It oozes How great is that? It oozes max. Yeah, that, that's awesome. On a Tuesday night, we'll get a chance to watch, yeah. you know, college football. But in a game between two teams that are really driven by their defenses, the best offensive player in this game is Spencer Brown. I think he's healthy. I think he's the difference. I think he grinds out about 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns in UAB wins. Yeah, and in terms of your point, Johnston, too, has played for UAB in, in a pinch, should right. you know, quarterback be an issue in that ballgame. Gabe, when you look at this matchup, UAB's last game wasn't over, over Middle Tennessee State. They set it at 44-and-a-half. You have Cochran. You have Sutton Smith. They're only giving up 109 rushing yards per game. UAB won 19 on the ground. But something tells me this could be an over in this ballgame incredibly low total at 43. It's unbelievable, actually, how low some of these college totals are right now. It usually used to be the NFL was uh, was low and, and college was, was higher. Now we see NFL totals at 55, uh, 58 range at times. Hell, we, we had 63 earlier in the year. Both these teams have been big under teams this year, Joe. Uh, UAB 8-5 and five to the under. North Illinois 9-4 and four, uh, to the under. You guys talked about the sacks. I mean, North Illinois has 50 sacks on the season you know we talked about it earlier about teams and why i don't like tulane you know these teams get to a bowl game i think they enjoy the festivities too much when they go bowling literally and figuratively and they go to the dinners and the the events it's not really a business trip they're actually enjoying themselves the first couple of times they go to a bowl game and listen uab last year got tattooed in their bowl game so that's the angle i'm looking at here i'm intrigued and I don't know. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't dug down deep to see how the kids are handling this and how the team is handling it. But last year, it really was a vacation for them. And I can't believe it. Our program's back, went to a bowl game. Is this a business trip this time because they lost in a bowl game last year? I sort of tend to think it is. But I'm not going against Northern Illinois here, guys. If we talk about bowl games, to me, they're road games. They're neutral field, but to me, they're road games. And North Illinois have been one of the best traveling teams. 17-4 and four straight up on the road the last 21 football games. This is a road trip for them. I think North Illinois sort of under, you know, underappreciated a little bit for what they've accomplished over the years. Getting back on track. Great comeback uh, in the MAC championship game. I'm going with the MAC team here. Give me the Huskies. Yeah, I think when you look at these matchups for, for the first day of action, my three best bets today are Tulane. I like Eastern Michigan, and I like Arizona State. Those are my three early on. I mean, this game that we just spoke about, I have I lean to UAB. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Not, not a strong enough feel. The one thing I'll bring up, too, in terms of trends, uh, uh, Gabe brought up uh, Northern Illinois on the road, but Northern Illinois as a bowl team recently has That's, not done well. No. I mean, Rod Carey in particular, I think the coaches – will really be under the microscope. Love what Bill Clark has done. He's been, you know, he's been a, a miraculous coach over the last two years since UAB came back. But they had that poor showing that you guys have brought up last year where they got completely annihilated. And Rod Carey, the NIU head coach, 0-5 straight up in his last five bowl games. 0-5 yeah. against the spread in bowl games. So both of these coaches, I think, will be coaching Tuesday night with a hell of a lot to prove. And when you look at uh, Childers o overall, Childers for the offense, he threw for 300, but they came in the MAC championship game against Buffalo. He's got 15 touchdown passes. Three of them came in the in the bowl. Uh, he struggled in the, in the as a passer. Game. So yeah. he hasn't been as consistent. I think Northern Illinois, to me, has played better on a neutral field or on the road uh, against some of the better Power 5 teams in recent years. But in bowl games, it seems like they played down to the level yeah. of competition, yep. and that's why I favor Bill Clark in this team. I think he's a, 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 a better head coach. I really do. I, I, overall, I would agree with that. You know, I in, would agree. 
terms of that. When we come back, we'll be talking about the other games next week. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci live from Studio 34 coming right back.